Lord, teach us to pray. When the disciples make this request of Jesus in Luke chapter 11, they'd walked with Jesus long enough to realize something. They realized that his teaching, his power, his grace, his wisdom, his incredible way of living was all grounded in his relationship with his Father. Jesus' life and ministry was grounded in his life of deep and daily prayer. But how do we build such a life of prayer? How do we learn it? How do we grow in it? One of the great gifts of the English Reformation is the Book of Common Prayer. And one of the treasures we find in these pages are the liturgies for morning and evening prayer. I remember first being introduced to morning prayer within the prayer book. In one sense, it was easy to use. I was told simply to start where morning prayer begins and follow the instructions. And yet, without instruction, it felt at first slow, clunky, confusing, and at times full-on weird. But with some basic instruction and with a willingness to explore its pages and look up some words even before Google was around, soon the training wheels came off and I was enjoying the ride. I was learning how to pray according to the prayer book. In Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The prayer book has been a welcome guide and mentor to me in pursuing a life of deep and daily prayer. So let's start with some terminology. The Book of Common Prayer. Well, it's the whole book. Originally written in 1549, codified in 1552, banned by Bloody Mary, burned by Oliver Cromwell and the Puritans, restored in 1662 as our liturgical and historical standard, and has now been revised and translated into over 150 languages. The most recent revision being the ACNA's own 2019 Book of Common Prayer. We sometimes call it by its shorthand, BCP, or simply the prayer book. Morning prayer. Along with evening prayer, these two offices are the main daily prayer services, along with the shorter but wonderful services of midday prayer and Compline or night prayer. We call these services offices, and we'll refer to them collectively as the daily office. A collect. Now, it's pronounced collect, not collect, and that's not a Canadian pronunciation. It's a Latin pronunciation, meaning to gather. As written prayers can gather people to pray as one, which is also the meaning of common in Book of Common Prayer, meaning praying commonly, praying together, praying as one. A canticle, that's a song, the lyrics of which can be sung or often said, either directly taken from Scripture or based on Scripture. Lectionary, a table of Bible readings for each day of the year. Again, allowing the people of God to be reading commonly, to be reading as one. And a rubric, a liturgical instruction written in italics within the prayer book. More on rubrics in a moment. Officiant. For the daily offices, this is the person assigned to lead the service. If a clergy person is present, they will normally officiate. 
But the book was written for the whole church, and when a group of lay people gather together, they should assign an officiant. When praying the office alone, you are the officiant, and you will say both the call and response parts of the liturgy yourself. My desire in this session is for you to see the morning prayer office within the BCP as a tool to help you build a habit of prayer. Dean Kuntz is one of my favorite contemporary novelists. I love his writing process. He sits down at his computer at 6.30 a.m. and writes until dinner six days a week. Dean Kuntz doesn't wait until he feels like writing. He just starts writing. He approaches writing as a discipline, as a rule of life, as a habit, and he's written over 120 novels, most of them bestsellers. It makes me think of the words of J.I. Packer, who taught me in seminary that we are to pray or approach prayer the way the Puritans did, with this attitude, that we should pray until we're praying. Now, this habit of prayer gets into the marrow of our bones. This complaint can often be raised about written prayers, that because they're not spontaneous, they aren't from the heart. Critics will cite Matthew 6, where Jesus says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. But it's emptiness of the words that is the issue in this. And to be honest, I hear more empty words often in extemporaneous, spontaneous prayers than I will hear in written ones. Instead, the daily offices, prayed daily, weekly, yearly, get into our very marrow and become a part of us through familiarity and long use. They help us focus our attention on God rather than on what we're going to say. C.S. Lewis in Letters to Malcolm says this, that Christians don't go to church to be entertained. They go to use the service, or if you prefer, to enact it. Every service is a structure of acts and words through which we receive a sacrament, or repent, or supplicate, or adore, and it enables us to do these things, if you like, it works best when, through long familiarity, we don't have to think about it. As long as you notice and have to count the steps, you're not yet dancing, but only learning to dance. A good shoe is a shoe you don't notice. Good reading becomes possible when you need not consciously think about eyes or print or spelling. The perfect church service would be one we were almost unaware of. Our attention would have been on God. Psalm 119 verse 11 in the King James says, Thy word have I hidden in mine heart. And the daily office does exactly this, stores up God's word in our hearts. See, this habit of prayer forms us as a people whose prayers and thoughts about God become deeper, wider, longer, and higher, in the words of Ephesians chapter 3. Because the Book of Common Prayer, in the words of Jim Packer again, is the Bible ordered for prayer. And it's deeply rich, theologically, spiritually, aesthetically. The very best prayers handed down to us from generation to generation. Again, in the words of Jim Packer, 
I began to see that this time-tested compendium of praise and prayer expressed the instincts, needs, and desires of my born-again heart in a deeper, wiser, richer, and more concentrated way than my own improvisations did or were likely to do. See, this habit of prayer builds a foundation for our own spontaneous, extemporaneous prayers. At the end of morning prayer, the liturgy invites us to offer our own intercessions and thanksgivings. And I find that having prayed through the office, again, over decades, that when I come to this moment for extemporaneous prayer, that my prayers are improved. They're matured. My prayers are more biblical. They're better. In the words of British mystery writer P.D. James, in our spontaneous prayers, the well-known words of the Book of Common Prayer come readily to our lips and our minds as they do in those moments when we are most in need of God's help, when we see people in distress, when we are touched by compassion, when we experience great moments of joy and exultation for which we need to give thanks. Her words explain and express my experience of having had this foundation of the prayer book in my prayer life, these rich, deep, and full prayers that I'm then free, if you want to think in terms of musical terms, to scat in jazz or riff or improvise and make up my own beautiful descant built upon a solid foundation of prayer. So let's get to rubrics and ribbons, and then let's dive in to morning prayer. First, rubrics. Again, I mentioned before, rubrics, it's a Latin word meaning red chalk. Originally, these instructions, these rubrics in the book were written in red for them to stick out in emphasis. These were directions, instructions. And in our contemporary BCPs, they're written in black ink, but they're written in italics. A rubric can give direction on posture, to sit, to kneel, to stand, or give options and direct you to other places in the BCP, including page numbers. Some of these rubrics are directive and some give options. For example, on the last page of morning prayer, the final rubric reads, the officiant says one of these concluding sentences. Well, that's unambiguous. You're going to pray one of these sentences, but then goes on to say, and the people may be invited to join. That's an option. I will not be guiding you through each and every rubric and each and every option within morning prayer, let alone the rest of the prayer book, but I'm simply giving you an introduction so you can start using it and start your exploration. Now, ribbons. To make it easier to move between the various sections of the Book of Common Prayer, it's good to utilize the ribbons that will be included in leather-bound versions and copies, or if you're using a hardcover copy, to use your own bookmarks. Moving between different places in the prayer book can be the biggest learning curve as you begin, and that's the reason we developed Pray Daily, our shorter, more user-friendly prayer book, where we made all the decisions for you. There's no flipping back and forth. But you may ask, if we developed Pray Daily, why do this class on the full morning prayer service? Because Pray Daily was developed as an introduction to liturgical prayer, but not the end goal. Because 
Pray Daily on its own, giving you no options, no wonderful places to explore, will end up missing some of the depth of the resources available in the full Book of Common Prayer. Put it this way, Pray Daily is like ordering off the children's menu at a high-class French bistro. It's going to be the best mac and cheese you've ever ordered, but you'll miss the escargot, the coquevine, the chocolate souffle. Yes, I'm overstating things like preachers often do, but you catch my drift. This is the full meal, and we want to introduce you to all the options on this menu. Place your first ribbon at page 11, where morning prayer begins. Place your second ribbon at page 267, where the Psalms begin. Place the third ribbon at page 598, where the collects begin, and place the fourth ribbon at page 641, where the occasional prayers begin, and place the final fifth ribbon at page 734, where the daily office lectionary begins. Here you will see if the day is a special high feast day of the church, as it will be listed. For example, if you're looking on page 738, you'll see that on the 6th of January, it is Epiphany, and therefore you're being instructed that that is the day you're celebrating. Now, I'm realizing that as I go through this with ribbons and references to bookmarks, to really enter into this class, you need to be using a copy of the Book of Common Prayer. We're using some of the PDF printouts from the Book of Common Prayer in this video to help you see the page as well on the screen but you may want to even stop right now and get yourself a copy of the prayer book. You can find them at church in most of our meeting spaces, but even better, you can purchase your own in our bookstore or just get the PDF app off the website of the Anglican Church in North America. I'll come back to app options at the very end of this video. So, with our ribbons in place, let me have one more word about the theological structure of morning prayer, which gets me very excited this is really, as a Reformed Anglican, as a Reformed English Christian, this is what struck me as the power of what Archbishop Thomas Cranmer edited together in this form. There is a theological structure that matters, and then we'll get to the actual walkthrough. So, theological structure. The prayer book has much liturgical scholarship written about it, looking at the structure of the daily office. And I was taught again by Jim Packer, I keep coming back to that, that Thomas Cranmer structured every Book of Common Prayer service with the cyclical themes of sin, grace, and faith. Sin is followed by grace, is followed by faith, but it's cyclical. It keeps coming back again and again. This happens in all of our services, both morning and evening prayer, happens in our baptismal office, happens in the Eucharist, but for today, we're simply focusing on morning prayer. At the macro level, morning prayer begins with confession, sin, then moves to Bible readings and canticles where we hear the Word of God, we hear the Gospel, we hear grace, and then invites us in the creed and in the intercessions and the thanksgivings to exercise our trust in the Lord and obedience to Him, faith sin, grace, and faith. And this cyclical pattern of sin, grace, and faith can be seen in each section of the daily office as well, as I'll show you now as we begin our guided tour with the beginning, with confession. 
So here, finally, is our guided tour of morning prayer. First, turn to your first ribbon or bookmark at page 11, where morning prayer begins. After choosing one of the opening sentences of Scripture to prepare our hearts, we come to confession of sin. The exhortation at the bottom of page 11 is convicting, and I suggest you try to always include it. But if you are short on time, the rubric beneath it on page 12 gives you a shorter option. The rubrics call for a moment of silence then. So reflect, think, be open to the Holy Spirit convicting you of particular sins and offenses, and then confess. When in a group, the officiant should give verbal cues, such as praying together so that everyone can begin together. This is a good way for officiants to learn how to lead well, is every time we begin a new section, like a canticle or another place, to give that verbal cue of praying together or we say together. Now, this confession follows that pattern of sin, grace, and faith. So you see, in the confession itself, you see the cyclical pattern. See, the first nine lines of this confession prayer examine our sin. The next four lines are pure grace. O Lord, have mercy. Spare us. Restore us. Based on our efforts, no, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the confession concludes with faith as we ask to live our lives according to his ways. See, the absolution is now declared in three options, depending on whether the officiant is a bishop or priest or a deacon or layperson. The reason for this difference is that the priests, and all bishops are priests, are consecrated and empowered to declare forgiveness to the penitent in the name of the church. Whereas all Christians, deacons, and laity can and should declare to any penitent the promise of Scripture in the words of John, 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Next, we stand in celebration and joy at our forgiveness for the invitatory at the bottom of page 13, noting that the two final lines in the invitatory, praise the Lord, the Lord's name be praised, are both English translations of the Hebrew word, alleluia. In other words, Forgiveness always brings the people of God to a double hallelujah. Next, we come on page 14 to the antiphon, which is a word essentially meaning alternating voices, which is a major part of the liturgical common prayer life. We participate. We are all doing call and response in these prayers. Many people don't read the rubrics carefully here at the top of page 14, and they miss the fact that this antiphon, whichever antiphon you choose among the options, is meant to go before and after the canticle that is following here. Personally, when you look at the options on page 14, 15, and 16, I pray the Vanity or the Jubilate regularly, and I'll save on page 16 the Pascha Nostrum, the Christ our Passover, for the Easter season. But again, that's the beauty of the prayer book. It gives you options. After that first canticle with the antiphon following it, we come to the Psalms. The Psalms are arguably the very center of the daily office, as they were written as the prayer book of Israel, the people of God. And before you flip 
to the lectionary, first put your ribbon back here where you are in morning prayer. Or if you want to use an Anglican trick, you can leave your finger there so you can easily flip back. Turn to your fifth and final ribbon, the one on page 738. Now, as this study comes out on January 3rd, today, I'm using today's lection, so you'll have to translate this depending on which day you're actually watching this study. But on January 3rd, today, you see Genesis chapter 3 is the first lesson. The second lesson is John chapter 2. And under the 60-day Psalter, and just a word on that, that as you look through the Psalter, the Psalms in the prayer book, you'll see written in there references to morning and evening prayer based on the numbered day of the month, day one, day two, day three, day four. It's written like that, so if you want to do the entire Psalter in a 30-day cycle, you can. But as our Book of Common Prayer 2019 recognizes, most people have opted for a 60-day Psalter. That way you only read through the Psalms six times in a given year. But you'll see under the 60-day Psalter that our Psalm is Psalm 9. If you can, keep your finger here, or at least flag your ribbon so that we can come back to this in case you forget what the readings are. And now you're going to turn to Psalm 9 on page 277. So on page 277, you'll find Psalm 9. You don't need to read the Latin title at the top unless you're trying to impress someone. And if you're in a group, I suggest reading the psalm responsively by whole verse. In other words, the officiant would read all of verse 1, and then the people would respond with all of verse 2, and so on and so forth. If you want to know why the asterisks are here written within the psalms, I encourage you to turn to page 268 at the beginning of the psalms where they can explain about the other options you have for how you read the psalms. Now, place your second ribbon back here at the end of this psalm so that you'll be close when you come back either tonight for, morning, for evening prayer or if you are just praying one office, just the morning office, which is fine, especially as you begin. You don't have to do both morning and evening to start. You'll be close to tomorrow's morning prayer psalm. And now immediately flip back to your first ribbon, or if your finger is there, just go back to the beginning where you were at morning prayer, and you'll see this response of praise at the bottom of page 16, what we call the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. This is our response to the truth of God's Word that we've seen in His Psalms. Next comes your first lesson. And if you've forgotten, you can flip back to the table at your fifth rib ribbon, page 738, Genesis chapter 2. The readings in the daily office can sometimes be long. So you read the Bible fully in a year, in some cases parts of the New Testament and the Psalms certainly more than once, with the exception of a few repeated stories between Chronicles and Kings only covered in one or the other. But you get the whole of Scripture, a lot of Scripture. And as a result, some of these readings are rather long, and you're free to shorten them as needed. You'll need a Bible, obviously. Um, I suggest the English Standard Version, but any good translation of Scripture will work for these readings. And one note, you will at times, especially later in the year, bump into readings from the Apocrypha, Sirach, Maccabees, 
And you'll say, where is that in the canonical scripture? You see, Anglicans believe that these readings from the Apocrypha, written in the intertestamental period between the Old and New Testament, are worth reading, but they're only worth reading for edification, not to have the weight of Scripture or to create doctrine, but they are edifying. And because they're intertestamental, written just in the centuries before Jesus was born, they were actually part of Jesus' own reading and learning as a first century Jew. There are portions of the New Testament that only make sense when you've read parts of the Apocrypha to explain what was going on during the Maccabean Revolt, for example. Personally, for my daily prayer, I skip the Apocryphal readings. And instead, I'll either read only one lesson that day, or I will find a different reading to replace it. If you're only going to do one reading in the day, you only match one canticle to the reading. The pattern here is one reading with another canticle paired with it. The readings and the canticles function as dancing partners, you could say. We hear God's word and we respond with praise. Now remember, the daily reading lectionary is a great tool, but it can be adapted. You can replace a reading. And like I said, because some are very long, especially the Old Testament readings, you can shorten a reading as needed. At the end of the reading, you see at the middle of page 17, we say the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And as I said a moment ago, both readings are meant to be paired with a canticle afterwards. We hear God's word and then we respond in praise with the canticle, that song from Scripture or a song built on Scripture. The standard for morning prayer is that the first lesson is followed by the Te Deum Laudamus, the we praise the Lord or we praise you, O God, on page 17 and 18. And then the second lesson is followed by the Benedictus, the Song of Zechariah, on page 19 and 20. Now, there's many other canticles to choose from, but they involve more flipping. After you have used the standard canticles for a while, then you can look at the rubric on the middle of page 17, which will give you direction to those other canticles in the prayer book, which pages to find them on. And many of those are assigned to a particular season of the church year, Advent, Lent, Epiphany, and the rest. Now, again, after the second lesson, John chapter 2 and the Benedictus, comes the Creed. The Creed on page 20. And let me take a moment now to talk about posture, because we're told to stand for the Creed. See, even praying alone, posture can help us when we pray. We are embodied creatures. Our faith is incarnational. God has been made flesh, and he will redeem our flesh for an embodied future in the new heavens and the new earth. And the rubrics tell us that our posture is part of how we express our praise and prayer to God. Generally, we stand to praise and declare. We sit to listen and hear, and we kneel to confess and to pray. After the creed, we come now to the proper intercession and thanksgiving section. This is really now the heavy set of prayers. We flow from the invitation to pray here at the top of page 21, this, the Lord be with you. Here in our prayer books, it says, and with your spirit. And those of you at Christ Church Plano know that we still use the older response from the 1979 prayer book, typically here, which says in response to the Lord be with you and also with you. And again, I can't remember where it is in the prayer book, but there is option that we're allowed to use it. Again, the riches and the treasures you can explore as you go through this book. 
This response of this call and response, the Lord be with you and also with you, is taken from Boaz's greeting to his harvesters in Ruth chapter 2, verse 4. Next, it follows with the Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us, Christ have mercy upon us, Lord have mercy upon us. You'll see there's both a contemporary and a traditional form of that prayer, as there is what follows a contemporary and traditional form of the Lord's Prayer. Again, you can choose. What follows at the bottom are these single line prayers, also known as suffrages, on page 21 and 22. And each of these single lines of prayer remind me each day that I pray this, why common prayer is so important, as these single lines pack together such vital and essential prayers from Scripture, which I could so easily forget if I was left to my own devices. Next, we come to the collect of the day. And yes, this means we're going to flip again, going to our third ribbon. Normally, the collect for the day, the collect is from the Sunday previously. Remember, Sunday is the first day of the week. Now, this can be confusing, so take some time to flip through the collects, which begin on page 598. It begins at the beginning of the church year in Advent and then flows through. If it gets too confusing, you can ask for help from one of our clergy, or you can honestly just skip the collect of the day. Seriously, you can skip it as you can skip other prayers as you need, especially as you're getting more comfortable with this prayer book. As this last Sunday, here being January 3rd, was the second Sunday of Christmas, our prayer is at the top of page 601. So we pray that prayer. What I like about these collects of the day is they remind me within morning prayer and evening prayer every day what season of the church year I'm currently in, because they bring in those seasonal pieces. Now, if today had been a high feast day, like Epiphany, or had been another feast day with the various saints days of the church year, it would be listed at the lectionary when we saw our readings for the day, and I'd be able to find the corresponding colic by date or by subject, pages 624 to 640. Again, play with this, flip through it, get familiar with it like an old book. I love including these collects, again, because they ground us in this vital liturgical season of the year that we're in. Now, flip back again to your first ribbon or bookmark, and you're now at page 22 within morning prayer. And pick the collect for the day of the week. They're listed here. Since it is Monday, it's the collect for renewal of life at the bottom of page 22. And you see these collects are set for each day of the week. Turn the page and pick one of the collects for mission on page 24. There's three collects here. I just rotate through one of them each day. They're wonderful reminders of our need to be on mission with the gospel. And now, at the top of page 25, you're invited to offer your own intercessions and thanksgivings. You can do this and should do this extemporaneously. And if you're in a group, I encourage there to be time given so that people can pray out loud. I also will encourage people to keep their intercessions and thanksgivings relatively brief and short for the sake of allowing others to pray as well. And when I'm praying the daily office on my own, this is the point that I open up my prayer journal. And I'll spend the next half an hour 
journaling through my own individual prayers, as I like to pray extemporaneously, often at the tip of my pen. And here's also where that fourth ribbon, you were wondering when we're going to bring that in. The fourth ribbon is helpful. The occasional prayers between pages 642 and 683 of the prayer book, if you flip through them, you see all these different set prayers for the year. There's many included here. I'll get you to turn with me, if you're with your prayer books, to page 649. This is one of the prayers I include every day in the daily office. Prayer number 12. It's the prayer for a local congregation. What it calls on God to do in the life of this church floors me every time I pray these words. Because when you have time, you can flag ones you like. You'll find incredible gems in here. Put sticky notes in there. Mark them up. Especially in your hardest moments, you'll find that these occasional prayers can give you the words that you're looking for to pray. And following your own intercessions and thanksgivings comes, brings us to one of the greatest prayers included in the whole of the prayer book. It's the general thanksgiving on page 25. The general thanksgiving that brings together all of our thanks and praise. I go through, when I do my morning prayer every day, my daily 20 in my prayer journal, I write down 20 things individually that I'm thankful for in my life as a habit, as a discipline, but then I'll turn to the general thanksgiving. And there's no further comment needed from me about this prayer. Pray this prayer for a week and then tell me you don't agree with me about how beautiful and how vital this prayer is to form us in our lives. Now, we conclude with the prayer of St. Chrysostom. St. Chrysostom, who was nicknamed the Golden Tongue Preacher, he wrote this at the top of page 26, followed by, let us bless the Lord, thanks be to God. And then I suggest the most common conclusion, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. And if you're in a group, I like to suggest to people to actually look at one another, look each other in the eyes and say this word of grace to all those gathered together. Now, I know as we take a moment and breathe, this seems way too complicated, especially as I walk through the, in this instructed form. So I hope you'll individually walk through this video slowly as needed, or reach out to one of our clergy for help. But trust me, it's, it's not as hard as it seems. Once you give it a try, you'll see that it is really user-friendly if you follow the rubrics and with a little bit of guide I've given you today. An average daily office takes about 20 to 30 minutes in full if you pray everything. And depending on how fast you read and how long you do your private intercessions, that could increase or decrease. And after all this, there is an app available for your phone. This daily office app can be found wherever you find apps for your phone, and you'll find it incredibly intuitive because it actually puts together all the readings and the prayers for all four offices of the day, morning, midday, evening, and even Compline, and it will do that for you and bring together all the seasonal pieces. I find this extremely helpful, especially if I'm traveling or if I'm in a rush, but remember, books are still better, and so I encourage you to do this office as often as you can with actual books in hand. We don't need any more virtual experiences in our world, but the apps are available, and if you're an apps person and that's going to help you use this, then use the app without any excuse or any guilt. A final word from me on this prayer service forming a habit of prayer in you. 
I am convinced that the Lord most often does his greatest work in us over time, not over moments or hours or even days, but over seasons, over decades. Our culture wants everything so fast, but real change, real transformative, lasting change often happens over many, many seasons, over many, many prayers offered. The prayer book offices help shape our hearts. And they do so less like dynamite trying to blow up a mountain pass, but more like glacial terraforming, slowly, surely, over time, transforming the landscape like nothing we could do just in a few moments. Let me close with a collect included in our occasional prayers. That's on page 668. It's written by Archbishop William Temple. Again, part of the resources and riches you'll find as you look through the occasional prayers is many of your heroes of the faith have prayers included in here. Archbishop William Temple's Prayer of Self-Dedication. Almighty and eternal God, so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations, so control our wills that we may be wholly yours, utterly dedicated to you. And then use us, we pray, as you will, and always to your glory and to the welfare of your people, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I pray that this guide to morning prayer, this guide to a renewed habit of prayer in your life, will be a blessing for you, not only in this year to come, but in the life in front of you.